So Daniil Hunter is out for the year. We got to talk about that, but it's also Twitter Tuesday, which means we have a mailbag full of your uh, existential and sometimes therapeutic questions here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and Acadia copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today's Twitter Tuesday. That means we have a big mailbag, but we also have some pretty big, pretty depressing news. Uh, so, Daniil Hunter in the Cowboys game, I think it was the second quarter, suffered a shoulder injury. That turned out to be a torn peck. And he's out for the year, confirmed by Mike Zimmer in a press conference on Monday. So now we have this really interesting contract situation. Uh, He has, I believe, an $18 million roster bonus due on the fifth day of the league year next in in March next year, which means the Vikings will basically have a five-day window to decide if they're going to release him and basically not pay him any of that money um, and take on some dead, but it's doable. Or if they are going to grant that roster bonus and there'll probably be some sort of restructure involved in that to make the money a little bit more normal. Um, but basically they have to decide if they're going to keep him or not, and they're not going to know his health. They are not going to be able to see Daniel Hunter play another down. He made it seven games, um, after this was sort of an audition of his health. Now, that wasn't the neck injury, right? The neck injury is a different thing from the pec injury. Although I do believe that when you have had a procedure in one part of your upper body, the rest of it will be a little bit stiffer and it will accept uh, contact and stress a little differently, but I'm not like a biomechanics guy. So don't quote me on that. Um, But suffice it to say, he is now going to have played seven games in two years and you have to decide, do you still want to pay for that? For me, probably, I probably would, but we'll talk more about all that stuff. We'll have lots of time to talk about it in January and February after the season. Um, but for now we have to worry about how the Vikings are going to get pass rush, uh, in the next 10 games. They still have a season to finish here. So you've got DJ Wanham, of course, Everson Griffin's doing well for as much football as you can squeeze out of him, Patrick Jones, Kenny Willekes, that's going to be the group because they traded away Stephen Weatherly as well. And we got to see what that group has in them. And that's quite a bit. So, uh, I don't know. There's not much else to say about that. You you lose Daniel Hunter and it sucks. And it it feels so much like this iteration of the Vikings is falling apart anyways, that this Daniel Hunter news almost feels like it's a drop in the bucket, but it really isn't. This is like incredibly significant future of the franchise stuff. Because if you are tearing everything down and rebuilding, you're building it around a guy like Daniel Hunter, who's 26 and one of the best pass rushers in the league. Um, So... I don't really know what's going to happen, so I guess let's move on to the mailbag. <laughs> so it is Twitter Tuesday. If you have a question for Twitter Tuesday, you can always send it to me at Locked on Vikings on Twitter or at uh, Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. And to stay on topic, I'll make the first one from All Purple Everything, who asked, has Hunter taken his last snap as a Viking? Please say no. In fact, he'll come back better next year and sign a lifetime extension at $1 million a year. No, in fact, he'll come back next year and sign a lifetime extension at $1 million a year. There you go. Whatever you need, buddy. 
Uh, the next one comes from Adam Kleinsaucer, who asked a question that just about everybody asked some version of this. There's a lot of different angles at it, but if you didn't get your question uh, answered, hopefully I answer one like it. Um, but Adam Kleinsaucer sent a question that says, if the Vikings choose to fire Zimmer, when do we do it? Do we do it now or at the end of the season? And if we do it now, who do we replace him with for the interim? Uh, so second part first, almost certainly the interim would be Andre Patterson. He's the one with the most tenure in the organization, the most experience and stuff. It's not like, you know, with, with uh, Gary Kubiak or whatever, where you had this like kind of guy with head coaching experience that could take over a game. Or I think Pat Shermer coached a game like that once um, somewhere in, I want to say like in Denver or something. And uh, Andre Patterson's been in the league for decades, so he probably gets that audition. Um, but when you do it, so there's this whole thing about like, well, what's the point of a midseason firing? And a lot of people say, well, the season's kaput. Why not? And to that, I answer, why do it? Because if the season isn't mathematically eliminated, right, there is still some chance, however marginal that the Vikings make a run at it, right? And that marginal thing, that marginal chance at, at victory is not negligible. And so you probably should treat it with some level of value. Um, and if there is no level of value, conversely, of a mid-season firing, then why do it? Uh, I could maybe think of, I mean, an interim audition for someone like Andre Patterson, if you're genuinely considering him as head coach, would have some value. I could see that. But if you're mathematically eliminated by November anyways, you're going to have four weeks to do that. That's plenty of time. And you can't really get the head start on the coaching search that you usually would want because of changes to the rules there. So there isn't a lot to be gained with a mid-season firing, and that's probably why the Wilfs won't do it. Now, I thought that Sunday Night Football was a fireable offense, and it put me on the Fire Zimmer train, um, but mid-season, end-of-season, functionally, a lot of that stuff is the same because you can't really start thinking about who your next head coach will be unless that guy's already on the staff until after the season anyways. And if that guy's on the staff and we're going for a continuity thing here, it feels like that defeats the whole purpose. The way the Wilfs look at it is kind of like this. They aren't going to do a midseason firing. It, it really seems pretty clear at this point that they are not interested in a midseason firing unless you get a Brad Childress insubordination thing or something else that sort of like forces their hand. But just for poor play, they'll let the guy play out the season and do it when they're mathematically eliminated or whatever. That's what happened with Leslie Frazier. And you end up getting like one interim, you know, meaningless game and then that's it. So we'll... Ha just kind of have to wait and see there, but for however marginal the chance is, they are three and four, and it is physically possible to rattle off five wins and turn the season around, right? So you might as well play it, play your cards in a way that leaves you open to that outcome if that's what's down the pipe. Uh, the next one comes from George, who asks, was the Cowboy defense that good or the offense that awful? Um, so I think the offense was really awful. Um, I mean, credit to the defense, they got pressure and stuff, but I think the offense had a particularly awful plan that uh, essentially allowed the Cowboys' best players to dictate the game and our worst players to dictate the game, and that's kind of their defensive line, offensive line advantage. Um, it didn't put the game really in the hands of the wide receivers as much as I wish it did. It put the game in the hands of the after-catch abilities of Tyler Conklin and CJ Ham. I think it was just a really bad game plan, and I'll go into that in a lot more detail when I see the tape and stuff, and I can kind of better articulate those thoughts. Legend of Korra asks, how many draft picks can we get for this team? So this kind of brings me to the other major theme of like all of these questions, which was, well, can we sell this guy for picks? What can you do? It is the trade deadline today. So as you're listening to this, you actually, the trade deadline might have actually passed. Um, after today, you can't do any midseason trades for draft picks or whatever. Now you can still trade those players next year um, after the, the league year turns over, but some of those contracts may have expired and stuff. So can you trade somebody on an expiring contract, somebody like an Anthony Barr for picks or whatever? 
you could probably do that. And if you're going for a full rebuild, go for it. But we've already kind of established that the Wilfs aren't doing that. And so they're not going to go full tear down rebuild. And if they are, well, those guys are going into the compensatory formula anyways. Um, so you're still maybe getting some compensation for them. And then you can kind of decide who to trade later. But I guess my, my answer to this question is that's not really at issue yet. Um, and after today, it will be impossible to deal with it anyways. And I don't think the Vikings will be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, if anything, they would be buyers to try to turn their season around because they believe that there's still something to it, right? Uh, there is so much more. There's so much in this mailbag. I'm so sorry if I don't get to your questions. So I'm going to try to get through as many as I can as fast as I can. But first, uh, let me tell you about my new favorite app, which is GetUpside. GetUpside is a free app, the App Store or Google Play, whichever you use, that shows you gas stations in your area and how much money you can save. You can save up to 25 cents a gallon in cash back just by using the GetUpside app. Just Download the app, it's free, and you can enter promo code TOUCHDOWN and you can get an extra 25 cents a gallon on your first Phillips. That's up to 50 cents off a gallon on your first Philip. You open the app, it'll show you where uh, those savings exist and you can get cash back. You can cash out however you want, uh, Google Play, Amazon gift cards, or just a, uh, just a direct deposit into your bank or PayPal or whatever. You can cash out whenever, however, there's no trick to it. There, there's no fine print or anything like that. Just go get the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. So today is the trade deadline. It is uh, Tuesday, November 2nd, and after today, there will be no more tra uh, trades allowed. That usually means a lot of stuff will happen, and covering all that stuff live from 2 to 4 Central Time on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel, we got a whole live show going, so make sure you go and check that out. Time to rattle off as many questions as I possibly can. The next one comes from Josh Lang, who says, It feels like we've been riding the sharp edge of a knife, sacrificing the future for the present. When is the breaking point where we sacrifice the present for the future? There's always next year mentality has to end. I actually want to do something more than a wild card at best. Um, so I think you have a false dichotomy here. I do not think you have to choose between the future and the present. There are some times when you're thinking, hey, you know, do I get the, uh, you know, the, the low ceiling player that is good now or the high ceiling player that's good later? But I think that's a dichotomy. There are, I, I think there are players that are just plain good and players that are just plain aren't. And there's risk and reward and, you know, do you play it safe and stuff? And that's, that's one thing. But I also think that the right answer to that question changes case by case. No, you probably shouldn't pay $10 million for a 35-year-old player, whether you're in a rebuild or not. And I don't think this really comes up very often. I think they're just good players and bad players. I agree. I don't want to just do a wild card, a first round exit. The Vikings don't either. Nobody wants that. I feel like we get, we, we've like accidentally gaslit ourselves into thinking that NFL teams just want just that. And no, they don't. They want to do better than that. And the fact that they don't is a failure, but not for lack of trying, we can at least give them that. Uh, Joe Green says, instead of picking coaches, so a lot of people were like, who are your head coach candidates? I'll tell you right now, I have no idea. Um, I, if Mike Zimmer gets fired, I will look at it then and we will have plenty of time to talk about it because the coaching search will not happen overnight. Um, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about that when it happens. I have no answer to that question. Like 10 people asked it. Uh, but Joe Green says, what kind of schemes and philosophies would you like in a head coach? Now that I can probably answer. I don't know who this is, but I don't care about offensive defensive side of the ball. Basically every head coaching candidate I have seen uh, offered up by the Cognoscenti is an offensive coordinator with a good offense. And that meh to me, really. Uh, 
sure, having bringing in a good offensive scheme and being the next McVay could always be awesome. And everybody says like Brian Dable or Eric Bieniemy or whoever. Um, and, and yeah, come in, bring the scheme, and that'll come with you, and, and that that's great. But I care about leader of men um, a lot. You know, give me somebody as bad as the Dan Campbell staff is. They also have a terrible roster and stuff. Dan Campbell gets his players rallied, you know, and Anthony Lynn, people will play for Anthony Lynn. And I like that about that staff. I would love to have that on the Vikings staff. And I think they do have that with Zimmer and Patterson. Remember, these are people. They're not assets with stat sheets. They're people and you have to lead them. Um, in terms of schemes, um, I, I think right now it'd be very good to go after a Vic Fangio style three, four, not Fangio himself, but that, that style, that's what Staley's running. That's what a lot of the best defenses in the league are running right now. Um, I think going for something more spread is one thing, but I also kind of feel like whatever scheme you get needs to match your quarterback. So I almost, if you could, I would love to have the quarterback then decide what the scheme is. Obviously you usually have to make that decision in the other order. Um, but there's a lot of ways to, a lot of ways to skin a cat. I think it's more important that whatever scheme you're doing, you have, you then get the right players for it, which is why if we do the, the Zimmer fire, everybody clear house thing, um, you know, build that with that purpose in mind and don't just amass assets raw, uh, you know, have, have a purpose so that you don't have to go all the way to as many assets as possible. And then all the way back up, that'll be a much longer process. Uh, then if you have a purpose, you say, I want to build this and you can probably do that in a year and a half. Uh, Purple Skull says thoughts on Mond in a package on third and short plus goal line Mond in relief in a relief quarterback role when Kirk is overwhelmed. Um, so if your quarterback is so overwhelmed, you have to pull him out to calm them down. You don't have a quarterback. I, I don't think that's happening with Kirk Cousins. Um, I, he does have problems in like processing and the mental stuff, but I don't think he's just like overwhelmed and panicking. Um, the read option Mond thing you got to activate him. And then you, that means you have to have one less guy available for special teams. And I don't think that's worth it. Cause if Kellen Mond trots out, every team knows what's coming. You, it, unless you trust him to operate actual offensive concepts and considering preseason, I think he's a long way away from that. Uh, in a similar vein, Stizo asks at what point does Mond get a go? Do we still stick to the red shirt plan? Even as the season goes to pot? Um, yes, we do because he's just so far away from being ready. A, as long as you're in contention and there's actually value to the games that you're playing, as long as you mathematically have a chance to win out and make the playoffs, um, throwing away a game just to develop some third-round quarterback who's not going to be remotely ready anyways is a punt. Uh, that's just pissing away value. Um, because while there is value to developing Mond, there's also valuable to winning the game in front of you. I think we forget that there's value to winning games and we're too often willing to sacrifice the value of winning games for like some value of maybe winning games later. It's like the, it can be anything. It could even be a boat meme. Um, so yeah, I don't think you sacrifice games to do it, but once it's, you know, week 18 and you're eliminated, I guess go for it as long as you think it would be a valuable learning experience for him. But at a certain degree of not ready to play, it's not a valuable learning experience. It's the Justin Fields get sacked nine times and feel bad about yourself kind of thing. You don't learn anything from that. Jacob Burry says, you've commented on a number of games this season that you believe Zimmer coached brilliantly. How do you square those performances with his showing Sunday night? Um, I don't think I have to. I think he was bad in the Cowboys game. He's fantastic in the, in the Panthers game. And, and that is just the way it is. I don't think I, that needs to be explained. It happens in the NFL. You have good games, you have bad games. Observed Idiocy says, is this a crazy idea? Now through 2025, trade away all good players plus first and second round rookie picks for 2026 second round picks. Max cap rollover to 2026. In 2026, pick a dozen first rounders and acquire a few excellent free agents for play and leadership. Um, yes, that's crazy. And I think the reason it doesn't happen is A, you can't 
this, this isn't Madden franchise mode where you can turn off the firing slider uh, or play in owner mode and decide not to fire your coach, right? The people making those decisions, if you're not good until 2025, that's four years from now. That's as far away as, how far away does the 2017 season feel? It's that far away. You just don't get to watch the Vikings be good. No, fans are not going to have that much patience. They don't even have enough patience to wait for Wyatt Davis to develop for two months. So it's crazy because it will make you lose your job and then you're just setting up your successor to do it. But also you can do better than that. If you are making a plan that isn't good until 2026, I can make a plan that's good in 2023. And I'm taking the one that's good three years earlier, and I'm going to take the three extra years of contention rather than a million first round picks. And you might not even hit on all of them. And, you know, how much are you sacrificing here? By the time you're actually taking those 2026 rookies, everything you had built before is gone. So you're basically building an expansion team. Um, I have so many more questions that I want to get to, and I want to make sure that I do. But first, I got to talk to the snowbirds among us. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to get out of the winter. It's getting cold and it's getting sad. With beach de- beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for exactly that adventure. You can belly up to the poolside bar, make a drink, maybe make a, a custom flight of tacos. As long as you got a good view, good drink in your hand, you don't have to have a care in the world. And with beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are bound for. For what are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Moving on with this mailbag, Eli asks, Will I still be able to use Viking Sunday as a way to get Sundays off of work, or will my boss start to get worried for my well being? Dude, go to work, do your job, my dude. What go to work? Come on, Seth asks, Do you think that? Prescott had played our offense would have somehow magically matched their ferocity since the Vikings refused to lose by more than seven. Seems like they only know how to keep it close. Um, I do think they have a problem. I mean, yeah, they, they don't have a problem outplaying teams for stretches of time, but they do definitely have a problem with that kind of killer instinct. And I do think that's it's a it's a it's a vibes thing that I can't measure. Um, but I see I, I see the effect that you're you're dealing with, and it does kind of feel that way. But it's really difficult for me to say, like, in actuality, if the Cowboys were better, the Vikings would have had an easier time. I don't think I can quite be that backwards based on purely vibes. But I see where you're getting it. Uh, Waka Waka asks, does Zimmer underestimate backups more than other coaches? It seems like when we play a backup, he just goes to ask Madden for defensive play calls. Um, yes, I do. I, I think... So we had this with like Chase Daniel in 2019 and Matt Moore, and then they lost to Andy Dalton and stuff. And it does seem like when when they don't have the full stable of weapons, they don't have their quarterback. Um, Zimmer, this is the mistake he made in the in in this game, and I think he's made it before. Zimmer just sort of says, "Well, the passing game isn't going to be good, so I don't have to worry about it." And that's not going to be true if they have good wide receivers, like the Chiefs did in 2019, like Amari Cooper and, and Ceedee Lamb in this game. And I think that's what happened in this game. They basically relied on the passing game just being bad by itself without forcing it to, and instead spent all these resources on stopping the run, which they did, but then the Cowboys moved the ball really well, and there are a couple of turnovers and a missed field goal away from it being a blowout, and those turnovers are earned and stuff. Um, so, you know, credit to Xavier Woods or whatever, but that is kind of an indictment of the of the play calling defensively, right? Zach Roloff asks, why do I do this to myself every year? Oh, you don't have a choice, do you, buddy? 
Uh, shoot that s asks in the is the lack of continuity at the oc position zimmer's biggest indictment two ocs fired or quit two left for a head coach job one retired is it hard to is it that hard to find when that sticks it's hard to find coordinators that stick yeah coordinators leave you know coaches move on um zimmer's defensive staff has stuck around so andre patterson is here and that's really stable and that's great um but I do not think the lack of continuity is a valid excuse for the poor play we've seen from the offensive players. Um, I do not think that, oh man, if only they had another year in Clint Kubiak's system, then everything would click. Like, nah, he's still calling like 10 bootlegs a game. Those are just bad play calls. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are at executing them. And I don't think the offense is rife with mental mistakes. They're executing poorly. Um, that's, that's just playing bad. I, I don't think they are like unfamiliar with the system and having growing pains. The last three years of offense have been pretty stable. It's been a different name calling the plays, but it's been the same language. It's been the same structure. It's been the same architecture. It's all the same concepts everybody's familiar with. It's just a different dude, like actually calling it on game day. I don't think that's much of a continuity issue at all. Lucas VDB says, why did the Vikings fail to adjust their offensive play calling through the game? We were still calling screens that were getting blown up in the fourth quarter. Um, I think that's, that is an indictment of, of Clint Kubiak. Um, I think he just doesn't have the toolbox to to adjust on the fly like that and, and have those kind of pivots in his back pocket. I, I can answer this better tomorrow, and I probably will, so tune in to tomorrow's show after I've seen the tape and stuff, but it just is, I think, uh, the mark of an inexperienced coordinator. I think we kind of got owned by just hiring Gary Kubiak's son and going for the comedic levels of continuity that comes with instead of somebody with a little bit more experience. Um, I also think it hurts to not have Rick Dennison around. Uh, I think I think that really hurt the team, that whole, that whole fiasco. Bishop Sycamore alumnist asks, have you seen a coach successfully not defend passes five to 12 yards down the field actually win consistently? Was Zim delusional from their success playing the thumbless Panther wide receivers? This brings up one of my favorite new cliches, which is nobody ever lost a game on six-yard gains. Um, that's I love that coaching cliche. And I think it's true. On six-yard gains alone, you never lose it. Now, maybe that six-yard gain sets up a second and four, and on that second and four, you get smoked on a big play-action deep shot. But that deep shot was the play that killed you, not the six-yard gain and leading up to it. Um, and so it's funny that you said five to 12-yard gains, because those are very, very different things. 12-yard gains killed the Vikings. And I think because the Vikings played a lot of man-to-man coverage, a lot of cover ones with, you know, too deep of safeties and stuff, and they basically required um, too much of their cornerbacks when those cornerbacks were going up against elite wide receivers, then they they gave up too much production that way. That's the critique that I have of Mike Zimmer. That's why I think his game plan was really, really awful. Um, I don't think that he got too cocky about the Panthers, because A, a lot of that was Patrick Peterson, who they don't have, and B, he's a person. He can see that they drop stuff. He's not looking at a stat sheet, right? Um, and, you know, without context. So I don't think it has much to do with the Panthers game. I think it has a lot to do with thinking that Cooper Rush was going to ruin this by himself, and then he didn't. Nick Kadena says, likelihood of a of Kirk for a Belichick and Jones trade, and Mac Jones. Oh, got you. So that would require Bill Belichick to trade himself, which I don't think will happen. But it is hilarious to think about. <laughs> you got Mossed asked, does Kirk to Denver for a Stafford equivalent deal make sense? And with their first, do you double up your first rounders to trade up to get Coral? I don't know who Coral is. I don't know much about anybody in college right now. Um, but I assume that's a draft pick you want. Uh, so Kirk to Denver for a Stafford thing. So it's probably Kirk for Teddy, right? Because Teddy's over there or for like Drew Locke or something. Um, and then the Vikings get a bunch of draft picks in return, that kind of thing. 
So the problem with the way the Lions did that deal, and the reason I don't want to really be on this side of it, is the Lions took on a contract of Jared Goff that was an albatross, and they are stuck to Jared Goff for two years now. And I got a lot of draft picks for doing that, but in return, their quarterback basically has to be Jared Goff this year and next, um, and I think that's too much to commit to. So I don't want to do something like that. But trading Kirk for some dumb bridge quarterback in a, and uh, some draft picks is something that does make a little bit more sense. Maybe even taking on some of the, the money yourself if it means you get more draft capital and you can kind of exchange assets that way. PM says, when will the Vikings run the Hulk package? So the Hulk package is the uh, Dallas Cowboys ran. It was that two uh, offensive linemen in the backfield lined up kind of like as inline fullbacks or, or like offset fullbacks. Um, so it, it's seven offensive linemen on the field and, uh, they should run it tomorrow immediately. The Hulk package rules and the Vikings should just put Rashad Hill and Mason Cole and have, uh, seven guys and let's just start running it down people's throats and start being a physical team. Let's do it old school. Come on. Let's be the only team left in the nineties for a bunch of defenses constructed to defend 2021 offenses. Let's get weird. Not washed asks, is Zimmer's and Gary Kubiak's relationship the reason Clint hasn't been called out in press conferences? I wonder, I remember Kevin Stefanski having a much shorter leash. Um, and I, I'm concerned about this question because do you want him to start throwing the coordinator under the bus? I, I, maybe that's just a thing he did before and didn't want to. I don't remember too much critique of Stefanski, and I remember some critique this year too. I don't know. It feels like it's been about the same to me. He'll tell you what went wrong on the play, um, but he's not like deliberately throwing people under the bus. You know, he'll say, hey, uh, the wide receiver lined up wrong on this and that's what made it cause more time. And it's like, that's true. That's not really throwing the receiver under the bus. He didn't even name who that guy is. It was Amir Smith-Barset, by the way, on the timeout fiasco before halftime. Um, but he's just describing what happened on the play. And that is like in a pretty like associated press normal way. He's not saying the wide receiver lined up wrong and therefore it's his fault and we got to fix him and he's bad. No, he's just saying like, hey, you know, we dropped a pass, right? Like, we got a sack. We took a bad thing. Like, that's just the way it goes. That's just, just how he's describing stuff. It's very, it's not, pres- it was Amir Smith-Marset, by the way, in the timeout fiasco. Um, but, you know, we just will say, hey, we took a sack. Hey, we dropped a pass. Hey, you know, we didn't stop him. Like that kind of thing. And I don't know. I don't think he's really throwing anybody under the bus when he says that. He's asked questions and he's answering them. And uh, Chris says, if Zimmer wanted to step down as head coach but stay on as defensive coordinator, would you want him to? I guess uh, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that and stay on the same team. If he's stepping down to defensive coordinator, he's getting a fresh start while doing it. Uh, there's no advantage to Mike Zimmer there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic defensive coordinator for sure, right? So yeah, sure. Um, that would be fine. So there were some questions I couldn't answer in this. You'll have to come back tomorrow. Uh, but thank you so much otherwise for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast covering a lot of national stuff. They should also be talking about some of that trade deadline stuff. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.